Hello and welcome to season 10 of the Travel Diaries podcast. It is great to be back with you. I'm your host, journalist Holly Rubenstein, and here each week I'll be speaking to a very special guest about the seven chapters in their life's travel diaries. From their earliest childhood travel memory and the first place they fell in love with, to their hidden gem and what's at the top of their travel bucket list. We'll be uncovering their adventures around the world and the travel experiences and destinations that have shaped their lives. How are you all? I hope you all had a fantastic summer or perhaps a fantastic winter if you're listening in the Southern Hemisphere. No doubt a lot of you will have been traveling over the last few months, adding new chapters to your own travel diaries. Have you discovered some new hidden gems? Maybe you've got a brand new all-time fave or or maybe there's somewhere that you'll never go back to. Obviously, I hope not for that one. But let me know. I'm at Holly Rubenstein on Instagram, threads and TikTok. I always love to hear from you. I have recently returned myself from the Greek islands. Oh, the beautiful Greek islands. I'll tell you more about my stay next week. And I'm heading to Puglia in Italy, a destination mentioned by my guests today, actually, in a couple of weeks too. So I'm ticking off a couple of destinations that have been on my own travel wish list after a stretch of really being home-based for the summer. I try and avoid traveling in school summer holidays at the moment until I need to. Uh, Speaking of school holes, I'll be releasing another family travel special later on this season. So if you have any questions or things you'd like me to cover on that, then do also get in touch. So this season, it's going to be a big one. Lots of episodes coming your way over the next few months. And of course, a lot of wanderlust too. Actually, you know, so far, I think this season, having recorded quite a few of the episodes already, it's given me the most new destinations that I hope I can visit in the next few years, you know, places that weren't on my travel wish list necessarily and now are, having heard my guests chat about them, places that feel a bit more attainable. I really can't wait for you to hear what we've got coming up. I'm so excited. And we're kicking off season 10 by diving into the world of one of the most iconic figures in the music industry, a Grammy-winning artist whose distinctive voice and reggae beats have seen him top the charts over the past 30 years. That's right. We're joined today by Shaggy. That was O Carolina, Shaggy's debut single, his big breakthrough into the music industry all the way back in 1993. It became a chart-topping hit around the world and subsequent mega-hits like Bombastic, It Wasn't Me, Angel, all further propelled him to global superstardom. From Kingston, Jamaica, where he spent his childhood and lives now, to the global stage, today we're going to be getting to know the man behind the hits and the destinations in his life that have played a part along the way, from Japan and Italy to New York and North Carolina. It's going to be bombastic, fantastic. You know I had to say it. (laughs) Let's get started. Here is Shaggy.
Shaggy, welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is so exciting to see you. How are you? Great, great. I'm not bad at all. I'm uh, in New York City. Not a bad place to be anyway, to be honest with you. Absolutely love New York. Hope you have an amazing time out there. And thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. We are going to go on a journey today, Shaggy, through the seven chapters of your life's travel diaries, starting at the very beginning with chapter one, and that is your earliest childhood travel memory. My my earliest one would be me going, being migrated to the United States. It's the first time I've been on a plane at that point, you know what I mean? And just stepping out into New York City, it was snowing and... It was cold coming from Jamaica as a young kid. And I'm like, okay, where is this? And I see nothing but tall buildings. And I moved into my mother's apartment. And I'm, I think the biggest culture shock to me was, was <laughs> the laundromat. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I went to, a, I went where I heard, I, I was very embarrassed because I went to a laundromat with my mother and she was doing the wash and folding clothes. Mm. And I was embarrassed because I'd just seen everybody's looking at her drawers and her clothes. And, her, and I'm like, yo, because there's other people. And I'm like, yo, I'm not used to this. Because in Jamaica, you do it in the privacy of your backyard and you hang it up in a line or, you know what I mean? And it dries quickly. It, it dries quickly. <laughs> you know, this is like, I got to stand there, people looking at my private underwears and stuff like that. Where, no, you know, and looking at her clothes. No. So interesting yeah. that like, what an interesting nuance that you, that sticks out in your memory as being like yeah. a, a, a kind of cultural culture shock, a culture it, shock. Yes, culture shock. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, growing up island life and then, yeah, coming to, to a big city, w- was that a happy transition? Did you, en- were you enjoying that or was it, was it a bit much? Yeah. I think it was a happy one, you know. I had a, I had a good time. I couldn't um, complain about it. It it all kind of that happens in my life and in, in, in coming up has kind of prepared me for what I'm doing now. The mm-hmm. people that come into it, just the energy that comes in, it it all prepares me. A lot of my listeners will be hoping to travel to Jamaica at some point in their lives. It's you know, it's a bucket list destination. It's a beautiful beautiful place having spent so much of your life there what are like say the three things that you tell a first time visitor you must do three things three things it it all depends on whether you're going there for culture or you're just going there for vacay Mm -hmm. if you're going there for vacation then you got to be on the coast whether it be negril whether it be you know you you gotta be on the north coast you're gonna be uh montego bay ocherias negril in some cases you might go to port antonio but Montego May, Negril, and Ocherias would be your destination spot. Beautiful beaches, just gorgeous water. Beautiful beaches. Uh, obviously, in Negril, you have that seven-mile strip of, of, of white sand beaches. <sighs> Amazing. It, it is great because you have every single thing from your food, food shop guy to all of that hanging around. Uh, so it's very reachable. You could go from one to the next, you know, and, and just apart from getting your hotel food, you could go in and get your local food and everything's just right there on that strip. It's not far. You know, you you walk it. Then you have like, if you're in Ocherias, then you, you're going to go to uh, the Dunge River Fall, which is pretty famous. You know, everybody tries to climb that waterfall and it's 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 really something that everybody would go and, and, and look for. Have you done it many times? I've done it, it probably once. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 
I mean, the, the thing for me, I don't do a lot of the touristy thing. I'm, I prefer Kingston, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then if you go into Kingston now, it's culture. It's a, it's a, a street dance almost every night. You know, you have the Bob Marley Museum, you have a uh, school of music, you have all of these things that are that are are connected to culture is really in the capital city, mm. and uh, you could feel it within the food, within the music, within the energy. And, and, you know, that, that, that works. Mm, mm. And I mean, music is so intrinsic to Jamaica's culture. I mean, was it being surrounded by that, that inspired you to pursue music? Because I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about your start in, in music, how you got your big break. Tell me. I started in Kingston. I, you know, my grandmother was a big music fan. You know, she played a lot of, a lot of records. She loved her she loved Toots and the Maytals. She liked Mahalia Jackson. She loved a lot of those those gospel people, you know, because she was a church woman. But then I went and I I went to a place called Skateland one night and I saw this guy by the name of Yellow Man. And Yellow Man was a huge dance hall artist at the time. And I remember him walking into this this party. He took up the mic and he spit a couple of lyrics and walked out and the whole dance just walk out with him. And I said to myself, who is this guy? I want to be that guy. And from that moment, I caught the bug, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I said to myself, you know, just being a fan of, there was Michigan and Smiley, a couple of these guys that were making these records. And I just kind of gravitated to music. Then when I came to the States, my mother migrated and, and, and I came to the States. I dropped into Brooklyn, which is a melting pot. You know, that's where I discovered Soca music, Trinidadians, Bayesians, Haitian music, um, Panamanian. Then I realized how all of these islands love dancehall and reggae. And it was the main thing that all the kids were into and um, really just connected with me. And I started to do sound systems at the time because it was the main thing that that attracted a young kid in Brooklyn. And um, in doing those sound systems, you know, I started to first to be a selector, which is like a DJ. And then from there, I ended up going into um, being an MC, you know, a DJ. Yeah. And then I started to make local dub plates and local reggae records. You know, one of them was a song called Mompy to Hit, and I find myself going into clubs for free, drinking for free and leaving with the hottest chick. (laughs) And it was the greatest life a, 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 a young man could get at that age, you know? Yeah. It must have been very exciting. Yeah. And then it was was good. And then after that, you know, I ended up just hanging in Brooklyn with the wrong set of people doing all the wrong things and decided I need to get out of Brooklyn. And I went ahead and joined the United States Marines. And once I got into the military, there was a war. <laughs> yeah. The Gulf War. And I ended up in the Gulf War. Yeah. You know, and throughout that time, I just maintained doing music while I was in the Marines. I was in there for four years. I did... uh six months, seven months in the, in the Gulf War. Mm. And um, I'm sure a lot of people don't realize that, that that was kind of the, a precursor to Shaggy on, on our radios. It's, it's yeah, really yeah. I mean, un- well, I'll tell you what, I did, a lot, I did a lot of growing up in the military because it really prepared me heavily from, for music by, you know, uh, the discipline. I had to get up at 5 a.m. and 
you know, I'm on time today doing what I do because of that military training. <laughs> well, you know? I need to keep yeah. us on time. So we've got, we're working through seven chapters here of your travel diary. Okay, go ahead. Let's yeah, move, move on to chapter two. And that is the first place that you fell in love with. I think the first place, and as far as with my travel that I fell in love with, um, was Japan. And, and, and what was it about it? It was clean. It was so clean. <laughs> And the people were yeah. so polite. Everything is, hi, hi, hi. It's almost like they couldn't say no. Everything was yes, you know. And uh, very, very soft-spoken, very polite, very te not technologically savvy. Everything was, everything Japanese was just so ahead. Mm. You know, I remember the first time these electric toilets were in Japan, way before they came out and everybody had them. I was like, yo, look at this. I mean, yeah. just fascinating and then the food and the restaurants were clean and you know i remember they had like kfc and it was in the japanese writing and we had like yo they, they got japanese kfc i mean it was like <laughs> yeah i really i really enjoyed it. i think i fell in love with it. and then i kept going back every year there was a thing called japan splash that would go in a big reggae festival and i would just go back yeah and it, it and the people were just so nice and always we always connected how interesting. I would never have like put, you know, a reggae festival in Japan, but is there a big audience for reggae music there? Massive. It was, it we used to be, now it's a little bit different, but when, you know, when dance hall and reggae was massive, you know, you're talking about 40, 50,000 people. Whoa. Um, all Japanese. How fun to be in that completely yeah. different culture yeah. and be performing your music. But they, they were into the dance hall culture and then they ended up having an artist by the name of Naki. A, a Japanese dancehall artist. And then you have, you know, right now you have a sound system called Mighty Crown, which is one of the biggest sound system in, in dancehall. And they are from Japan. You know, they have everything. They keep their own festivals, you know, and and, and it, they do cruises, it's dancehall. It, it's it's a real movement there. So I fell in love with that first. How interesting. Did you fly into Tokyo first? Was that the, your first experience of Japan? Yeah, but I also went to Osaka, Nakisaka. We, I went to a whole bunch, to all of it. Yeah, and Okinawa. It's inspiring because you you know that you're on the right track with the type of music that you make. You know they speak Japanese, but they're actually enjoying and singing everything on your songs. Fascinating, mm. you know. Uh, mm. I enjoy I enjoy that about them. Um, and fashion. Yeah, they were always hip. You know, it's funny enough, you see Japanese Rastafarians with the dreadlocks and the whole nine yard. I'm like, whoa, they lock up their hair, yo. And, you know, they were in the colors and, you know, mm -hmm. the clothing. And it's like, yeah, I was really, really, really moved with that. Yeah. I mean, have your travel experiences over the years inspired your music, the different places that you've got to see traveling the world? I think everything in life is an inspiration wherever you go. Sometimes you go to some places and it's it's inspiring it um, in the way that you go to reset, you know. But to say that I would go to any particular country and listen to the culture of it and then try to write music to kind of fit that culture or, or fit in, no, I've never done that. I've always written music very selfishly. You know, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't write music or make music to fit in or for any particular audience i really do it selfishly for myself 
And, you know, if I like it and how I look at it is that, you know, no matter what song, if it's, it wasn't me or Mr. Bombastic or any of these songs, I'm going to live with it a lot more than you are. <laughs> you You're going to be I gotta, again I gotta every pre- year. Every day, every day. Right. So I have, I have to do something that I like to perform, you know, and get done. So, yeah, I just do them the way I want to do them. Chapter three, Shaggy, is the place where you learnt the most about yourself. Where comes to mind for that? I think the military will be it. You know, I was wondering if that might be it. Yeah. So where were you based? I was based in North Carolina, but I traveled to uh, in the Gulf War. Was in the Middle East in Iraq. But during that time was really where I did a lot of of growing up. And it's you know just when you're in a war in the middle of the desert and you're sleeping on a cot and you start to remember how many times you get up and didn't make your bed. Kind of wish you had a bed. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Uh, you know, I miss my mother's cooking. I was eating MREs, uh, so there was a lot of growing up there, a lot of self-reflection. Gratitude was probably the biggest thing that I learned being in the military. So you must have seen some some scary things. We saw, yeah, we saw action. Yeah, you know, we saw action, and it it made you. Ref- reflect on all of just your life and gratitude was a big part of it you know you take so much thing for granted until we don't have them it was like yo what was i ever complaining about <laughs> you know so that that was why. well it's interesting because you know your music is imbued with such a sense of positivity i mean whenever i i was mentioning to a few people that we were speaking today you know their faces light up they you're instantly a you know, beacon of positivity and maybe it was that experience that you know, shaped shaped your perspective and, and, and infiltrated into your music as like that this kind of positive message. Absolutely, that absolutely that had an impact also. But I think another thing was I realized every time I sing in front of an audience, when I sing these really beautiful, happy songs, I got smiles. Mm. And my whole job was to actually put smiles on people's faces. You know, I want to bring joy. And when I bring joy, I get joy back. And so I I wanted to make really fun music. And I was criticized a lot for it when I was coming up because you know, a lot of people was like, oh, well, you know, you know, type of music. I didn't make music uh, pure, authentic reggae music or dancehall music. I made hybrids. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, you're making hybrids, you're going to get criticized by the purist. Yeah. You know, and my thing is, while I would never do any of those music unless um, it was done my way. If I, I couldn't see myself trying to top what Bob Marley did or Peter Tush or Dennis Brown. You know, these guys were masters at their craft. Who am I to think that I'm going to do what they do and do it better? You know what I mean? So for me, I had mm-hmm. to create my own legacy, create my own style. And yeah, I'm going to get some criticism for it. But in hindsight, looking at it now, where I've lasted over 30 years and you look at where music is and where dancehall music is and what it is right now. Well, I'm not, I think I'm kind of looking like a genius right now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you've had mega hits in four consecutive decades. I mean, what do you think is your longevity? Um, One, keep your finger on the pulse. Just on the pulse mm. of culture, you know. I remember we were writing Angel. We did over um, Juice Newton, Angel in the Morning. But then we were saying, peeps, closer than my peeps you are to me, 
shorty or my angel. Like we changed those things to it. And that was just the slang of what's going on at the time. That's you feed, keeping your finger on the pulse mm-hmm. to put those things in that's connected, that is, you know, relatable to your audience, you know? Toasty, yeah. Uh, life is one big party when you're still young. Who's going to have your back when it's all done? It's like, okay, yeah, you get it. You know what I mean? It's relatable to people. You know what I mean? She was there through my incarceration. I want to show the nation my appreciation. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. relatable, you know? Exactly, yeah. So I, I've that is the secret of what it is. If there is ever a secret is me making something that I know is relatable. You know, I remember Lionel Richie said to me one time, you know, Shaggy, I've only written one song. I'm like, one song? What are you talking about? He said, I wrote one song. It's called I Love You. I'm like, oh, really? It's like, yeah. It never fails. You know, I wrote once, twice, three times a lady. And I love you, lady. You're my knight in shining armor. And I love you. And he just kept doing these songs that had I love you in them. And I'm like, wow. You know, like, he says, hey, never fails. You know why? Relatable. Whether you're young, you're old, you're black, you're white, you're straight, you're gay, you're, you love. Uh, yeah, timeless. It never misses. It's just, it's just how you say it, what melody, you know, uh, and how it's presented. And it's the same thing. Mm. There's, there's not a record being made now that has never been made before. Let's let's face it. Do re mi fa so la ti do. Nothing changes. We're not we're not inventing the wheel here. Mm, mm. You know, but it's it's one. It's timing. It's how you present it in your time within the culture that you're in, and make that work. And that is you know what it is. And then I made music with my own taste as an artist. The biggest gift I ever got was my ear. Yeah, I will be able to hear something that I think will work. And it's going to work because I like it. Yeah, and you can sense that. Yeah, but but yeah. what's what's mad, right? Is that after um, Mr. Bombastic was such a huge success, you got dropped from th- your label mm-hmm. at the time, and and then like one of the greatest ever comebacks when you put out Hot Shot and it had your know, number one yeah. record after number one record. I mean, Chapter Three as we said, it's a place where you learn the most about yourself. You must have learned quite a lot about yourself with that kind of roller coaster. Oh, I learned, I learned uh, that it's business because I was signed by Ken Berry, who's the head of Virgin at the time. There were some people there that I worked with closely. Music was everything to me. And I thought these people were my family. I, I dined with them. I went to their homes. I, and the minute I was dropped, I never heard from them again. Mm. And that really was like, whoa. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, that's, that's pretty chill. Yeah. And and Mark, you know, we, we had a, Mr. Boombastic was a smash. We did That Girl with Max Priest that was also a smash. So I had hits. I put one album that didn't connect. And they were like, oh, it's reggae. It's like chewing gum. It's out of juice. Spit it out. And I that angered me. I can imagine it's so it fickle. It angered me. It anger it angered me. And then they they dropped me to drop Maxi Priest and they signed Beanie Man at that time. Yeah, he was like the new flavor, and I was like, oh, is this what you're doing? Mm. You know. And yeah. I I was just angry. And uh, I wrote "Love Me, Love Me" for the for how Stella got her groove back, caught back another number one in America, and. You know, they 
And, you know, and, and then got back into DR wrote wasn't me after that. And I was back mm -hmm. and I came back with a vengeance at that time. You, you did. Know? Yeah. And, and I think a proper, probably a couple of executives got fired, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter four, Shaggy, is your all-time favorite destination. Where would you pick for that? When I say all-time favorite, I would say my go-to place that I would want to go back to, right? Yeah. That would be Italy. Mm -hmm. The Italian, first of all, they, they love reggae. Uh, it's always been a place that embraced the Jamaican culture. Food is great. Just, I love the little mom and pops. I like being on the coast in Cantanzaro and Bari and these places. Down in Puglia. Yeah. You know, I, I just love, I love a lot of places in Italy. You know, Italians are like, like everybody's well-dressed, you know. You see taxi drivers in, in Armani suits. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, you know, <laughs> and there's a bit of laziness there, you know. After a certain time, they don't work. They eat after a certain time, you know what I mean? And they're different, different places. Where each one, it's almost like each part of it is a little different culture. You know, in Napoli, it's a different culture from Milan. In Rome, it's kind of a different culture. It's all Italian, but the, you 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 feel the vibe in each place different. You know, and there's so much to explore. Yeah, and and that's it's not like it's just one thing. It's you go around each one in each parts is a little different. You know, but it's always a sense of family and always a sense of food you know mm, and warmth and hospitality warmth hospitality and then, then there's religion yeah so you know I, I i explore it and every time i go back i find something you know um that that really connects with me i i, I spent a huge vacation with my family in sardinia and it was it was wonderful there's two sides there's the you know the upper class side and then there's the other side that is really on the coast, which is a really uh, just a little mom and pop kind of, you know, town and little restaurants and the beaches and that I I really got into. It's known for having amazingly clear water as well, isn't it? Oh yeah, that helps. <laughs> yeah. And what was good is turquoise. we took boats uh, to different part, and each water had a different texture. Interesting. Like the texture of the yeah, the texture of the water in different places that we swim. Sometimes it was a little crisp, and other times it was like super salty, and other time it was like more on a, a a brackish type, you know, where it's yeah, it was very interesting to me. A bit velvety. Yeah, like a vel exactly. Each one of them were like different, you know. Um <laughs> Wow, that's very cool. You could do a tour of Sardinia's different waters, yeah. Sen sensory waters. Yeah. You know, I I <laughs> I, I found that, you know. Um <laughs> but just good. Just good. And it was just good to just sit there in the, in the water and just have a great time. I'm coming from an island man, another island. Yeah. If you it's up there on your list, then it must be good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> not as warm the water, not as warm, but you get used to it. And um it was a lot of I love the fish, a lot of fish, fresh. Yeah, it was it was it was really, 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 really good. And the food and the people and yeah, I really like that. So that would be my go-to. Love. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Chapter five then, Shaggy, is your hidden gem. It's a place that you love that my listeners wouldn't know so much about. Can you can you bring one to life for us? Mm. That listeners wouldn't know would be Port Antonio, Jamaica. And and why it's it is a rainforest. It is a it has beaches. It is crystal clear waters and it is one of the most wonderful place and if you're scared of being rained on and you just want sunshine don't go there because if you're there for five days you're gonna get rain but it is the most beautiful the most lush part of jamaica it is just greenery and then it has these beautiful beaches and it is one of my favorite and jerk is one of the best thing you want jerk chicken or jerk pork or jerk anything that's the place to get it. So I would recommend that. Yeah, Port Antonio. They call it Portland. It's a hidden, yeah, it's a hidden gem. You, I wouldn't just go. Yeah, you know, you're going to go to Montego Bay or, you know, Kingston or somewhere else. That is somewhere you're going to go and just be like, yeah. All right. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, well, in contrast to that, chapter six is your worst travel experience. I, you know, uh, I like going to new places and, and catching new cultures and stuff like that. But let's face it, travel no compared to travel before 9-11 is two different things. You know what I mean? Mm. And I find travel now, I go past the tech, uh, the technicality part of it, you know, which is your TSA and your checking in and blah, blah, blah. 
uh, it could be quite nice, <laughs> you know, but it's good to go to just different countries and just go and just uh, soak up different cultures. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I get time to do that. Other times it's really like in and out for work. Well, Shaggy, it has been so much fun traveling around the world with you. Our final chapter, chapter seven, is the destination that is at the top of your travel bucket list. Top. Top. Uh, if I have to, if I have to, uh, go ahead and pick one, um, bucket list, you say, where I have to do it before I die. Just a place that you've always wanted to go. And never been. Not had, no. <laughs> um, oh, that's a good, that's a good one. <laughs> I always wanted to I and I've made many attempts to go to any and I think it would be Zimbabwe. Mm, and and why so? Yeah, I've I've tried to I've tried to go there a couple of times and 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 just couldn't it couldn't happen. Um for whatever reason. But I I, I met a a young lady that was from there and and totally told me about how wonderful it was and uh I kind of wanted to go there and kind of catch it the vibe of it myself and I never really made it. So that would be one of them that's on my my bucket list and I've been to many places in the world, but that would be really, really, really good. Um, oh, to just I hope go that you get to make it there. Yeah. And just kind of, I don't, I can't tell you what to expect or why or anything, but you know, it's, you know, it's so much history there too, you know? So it'd be, yeah. you know, the whole Mugabe thing and, and, and it's, yeah. So that's kind of where I would like to go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Shaggy. Those were your travel diaries. <laughs> it's been so much fun. Yeah, man. Much respect. Thank you. What a lovely way to end the interview. That was Mood from Shaggy featuring Kez. And that is from Shaggy's EP, which is out now called In The Mood. It is guaranteed to prolong your summer. Just wonderful summery vibes. Absolutely love it. And what a way to open the season. Shaggy, a musical legend. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much for listening today. If you'd like to hear more from the podcast, don't forget to hit subscribe or if you use Apple Podcasts to press follow so that a new episode lands in your podcast app each week. If you want to be the first to find out who is joining me on next week's episode, come and follow me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Rubenstein and you'll also find me on threads and TikTok. I'd love to hear from you. And if you can't wait until next week, remember there's the first nine seasons to catch up on that's over 100 episodes to keep you busy there don't forget that all the destinations mentioned by my guests are included in the episode show notes here on your podcast app and listed on my website thetraveldiariespodcast.com thanks again everyone take care and i'll be back next week
Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 